So I was, I was going to, I, I was going to talk about uh, this whole thing about changing the mindsets and all that, and then I thought I'll just turn to my Bible. I know it's in two Corinthians chapter four, and it won. And I went, why am I in two Corinthians chapter four? And then I read it, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm meant to be in two Corinthians chapter four, but I want me to be in two Corinthians chapter ten. But anyways, there we go. But then I just had a little chat with Faye, and she said, no, do that. So I'm being obedient. So, let's go through 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and see where we end up. Um, so let's put chapter 4 and verse 1 up there, Joshua. And let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you know each and every one of us in great depth, Father. You know our hearts. You know the hairs of our head. You know our thoughts, Father. You saw us before we were created. Father, I thank you for that deep knowledge of each and every one of us. And we thank you that it's a knowledge that comes in love, Father. There's no judgment, there's no condemnation, there's just love, Lord. And I ask, Father, that you'd speak to each and every one of our hearts, Lord. That I'd be able to share what we need to hear from you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Let's talk about not losing heart. I think that might sound like a plan. So we don't lose heart. Rather, verse 2, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We have renounced secret and shameful ways. So, this is going to be keys to not losing heart. So the first thing you've got to do is renounce secret and shameful ways. Because God doesn't operate in darkness. God doesn't operate when things are covered up. God can't be invited in to that which you have not shared with him. I know he knows everything and I know he sees everything, but unless it's shared with him, unless it's given to him, he can't actually do anything about it. So although he knows it, and although you know it, it's not like God just kind of, God's such a gentleman, and he is, in the true kind of old-fashioned way of being a gentleman, God will never bust down your door. That's why it says in Revelation 3, therefore I knock. I knock. I ask to come in. I ask to be invited. I want to be invited. I want to be with you. I want to be a part. I want to be in everything. But unless you open the door to each and every part of your heart, then I will just stand there and I will keep on knocking. <laughs> Amy. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Big bang reference. Um, <laughs> but he will. He'll just stand there knocking the whole time. And lots of the time we kind of, we wonder why God's not doing something when he, he is doing something. He's knocking. All the time, he's knocking. He's going, well, I'm here, but I need to be allowed in. I need you to go, come on then, come and help me, Jesus. Come and help me with this thing. So some of the time we lose heart because it's almost like we're waiting for God to sort something out, but we haven't actually asked him to sort it out. Because to ask him to sort it out, you have to admit that there's something to sort out to him. And it's like I said last week, until we admit, when we admit there's a problem, suddenly there isn't really a problem. Because when you admit there's a problem, now there's a solution. But all, all the time I go, I go, oh, well, I, 
I'm fine, I, I don't need glasses and I start bumping into things and I can't see things. Well, I have to actually admit there's a problem, don't I? And then there's a solution, it's called an opticians. But whilst I say I've got 20-20 vision, vision, although I, you're all blurry right now, which isn't as nice, but whilst I can say I've got 20-20 vision and pretend I'm all right, I'm not going to go to the opticians until I go, oh, yeah, actually, I, you're all a bit blurry. Oh, well, go find a solution. All right, okay, wonderful. Now I can see you all in your beautiful faces. <laughs> so the first thing about losing heart is we've got a renowned secret and shameful ways. And that, you see, this is the thing. We think that lots of our secrets are shameful. That our secrets, we feel the shame of our secrets. But you have to know that I am yet to hear an original secret. In 15 years of talking to people, I'm yet to hear an original secret that nobody else has ever had as a secret. Because there's only about three or four different secrets you can have. No, there is, honestly. There's not actually that many. Of course, they might express themselves in different ways, but when you root down, there's like three or four different ones. So once you've talked to three or four different people, you've heard them all. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's just all there. But we've got to... But, but often we, we, get, we get kind of covered in this sense of shame and then we don't share our secret with Jesus or anybody else. But actually, you have to know. You and I are all the same. We've all got secrets. We were all ashamed of them. And when we bring them to Jesus, he goes, well, what shame? I don't see any shame. You saw shame, but he didn't see shame. He just sees his love. Sees his passion and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. But we lose heart because we, we get stuck in these things and we get stuck in them because shame keeps us stuck in them. But actually, Jesus has taken your shame. But once again, he's standing at the door with a big kind of bucket marked shame on it. But if you don't open the door and put your shame in it, you can't take it. Because he stood at the door and he's waiting. So we renounce secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception nor distort the word of God. Uh, let's move on a little bit. Verse 7. We have this treasure. Just turn to somebody and say, I've got a treasure. Then turn and say to somebody, I am a treasure. It's interesting, isn't it, the lengths we go to protect, to protect the things that are important to us. So if it's valuable money-wise, we might, we might insure it. So Faye's engagement ring is insured in case she loses it. Because she may well do. <laughs> but it's insured because I, you want to get, I want to get a replacement one and I don't want to have to fork out again for it if I don't have to. But, but valuable things, whatever may be valuable to you, the lengths we go to, to protect our children is incredible. Why? Because we treasure them. We place great value on them. But actually, according to this verse, you have a treasure on the inside of you. You actually do have a treasure that is worth more than the most valuable thing you think you've got. Whatever that most valuable thing is, whether it's an object, whether it's a person, whether it's a cat or a dog or a goldfish, whatever the most valuable thing that you've got is, actually you have this treasure on the inside that is more valuable than anything you know. But of course, we lose heart when we forget that. We lose heart when we forget we've got this treasure, and according to this treasure, it has all-surpassing power. All-surpassing, as far as I understand, that means bigger than anything else. 
greater and more powerful than anything else. So you have this treasure that is greater and, uh, than anything else on the inside of you, and yet you've lost heart. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to look out there and go, oh, just... And I, I, when really we forget, no, you've got a treasure. And the problem, of course, is that treasure is housed in a jar of clay. That's an expression about your physical self, which is fragile. You are fragile. And your body's fragile. I don't know, Joshua's body. How many, he's broken like five bones in his body already, and he's only 17. I don't know how he does it. I've never broken one. Never broken a single bone in my body. Yeah. <laughs> My, wisdom, my mission is life is not for my 17-year-old to say that I'm cool, so it's all right. Because I would be a rubbish father if you actually thought I was cool. Ha, <laughs> touche. <laughs> but it's in a jar of clay that's fragile, and not just our external bodies, but internally we are fragile. Our internal bodies are fragile, and that's okay. You have to know it's okay. You are, you are not this kind of hulk on the inside. You are fragile. That's okay. That's how you're built. You're fragile. You, you, you get wounded and marked and, 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 and it feels like you're broken at times. In fact, it, it, it feels like you're crushed at times because internally you were fragile. But in that fragile place, you have a treasure. An all-surpassing all power that don't come from you. It says it comes from God. It's not from you. God put you there. And, and I, I believe actually in, every, in everybody there's a sense of Jesus. But when you say yes to Jesus, the fullness of him, you become aware of it. And actually if you've said yes to Jesus, and if you've not, then just say yes to him because it's the best thing ever. But, but in terms of that, you have this all-surpassing power on the inside of you, but you have to remember it sometimes. You have to remember it and recall it and bring it to mind. Because you have what you need. You actually have what you need to overcome and to be the person you want to be. You've got it. It's on the inside of you. You already have it. It's not lacking from you. You don't need to beg God for it. You don't need to even ask him for it because you've already got what you need. Yeah. Of course. Thank you, Phil. Well done. You see, Phil's getting it. Yeah. He's, you've got it. Yeah. There you go. On the inside of you. See, Leon gets it. On the inside of you, it's there. But we forget because we look external and, well, this is falling apart and that's falling apart and the other's falling apart. And we feel like it's falling apart, but actually, it's not. Because, let me see if I can get this right off the top of my head. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, I'm sure. Maybe not. So, somewhere it talks about in him all things hold together. And I thought it were Colossians chapter 1. I think it is. Pardon? Is it? All right. Well, we can chuck Bible verses out, but let's not. Anyways, it says that in him all things hold together. All right? And so if it's falling apart, what does that tell you? It tells you he's not in it. 
That's the thing. So if in him everything else together, if it feels like it's fallen apart, maybe he's not in it somewhere. Because in him, all things hold together. And that's the thing, you see. So when you know you're fragile, when you feel like you're falling apart, the answer, of course, is to find it in him. Because in him, he puts it back together. In him, he makes it whole. In him, he puts it back together beautifully. And it's okay. We're all fragile. We've all been broken. We've all got parts of us. I knew it was Colossians chapter 1. In him, all things hold together. Thank you. It's okay to feel broken. We've all felt that way. It's okay. But in him, it holds together. So the answer, if it's feeling like it's broken, is to go, okay, Jesus, well, I want you to be in it. It's to invite him into it. I love verse 8 and verse 9. Hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. So, you realise you were never actually crushed. It's like, have you ever seen those machines that crush cars in scrapyards? They kind of turn a car into like a box like this big. Well, it's like one of them, but it's like it, it gets stuck. So you feel, you feel like the sides of this big thing are coming in and crushing you and pressing you, but actually it's like it gets stuck and you never actually get crushed. You're just hard pressed. And I don't mean just hard pressed, because to be hard pressed is difficult and painful and awful. But you are not going to be crushed. That's what this says. I may well be hard pressed, but I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed means you don't understand, the, you don't have the foggiest what's going on. Well, I've often been perplexed. I, I am often perplexed. I'm like, I don't have the foggiest what's going on here. I don't understand it, I don't get it. But in that moment of perplexion, of not understanding it, of not knowing what's going on, if you tend to lose heart, you end up in this place called despair where you just give up on it all. But the point is, when you get to perplexion, you've got to go, but I know a few things. There are some things I do know. Often we focus on in perplexion. It's like, I don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, but what do you know? What do you know? Is, is God in it? Well, he's somewhere. You might not be able to catch a glimpse of him, but he's there. Is the love of God still present? Yes. So to not lose heart, we've got to make sure that when we're in perplexion, it's a great word, isn't it? Perplexion. When we're in perplexion, We've got to remind ourselves of what we do know. Persecuted, but not abandoned. And, you know, we don't really know what it is to be persecuted, do we? In England today, we don't really know what it is. We haven't we aren't really got a clue what it means to be actually persecuted. I mean, you came in this morning, and some of you might have had a difficult conversation with somebody to get here, but most of us do not. We're not worried somebody's going to run through those doors and do something, are we? We're not. But at times... Words are painful, and words cut, and words hurt. And continued words cause continued... It's like a... When, when, when words keep going, negative words keep coming at us, it's, it's like a scab that can never heal sometimes. It's like a wound that just gets picked down, picked down, picked down, picked down, picked down. Because these, these things just keep coming at us. But it says this. It says we're persecuted, but not abandoned. Never abandoned. That's why we need one another, isn't it? That's why we need to know we can sit with somebody and encourage them and bless them and look after them and be there with them. Because when those things come, when those times come, when those words come that feel really painful, then we need people around us.
Since we have that same, verse 13, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. You see, when you're feeling hard-pressed but not crushed, when you're feeling perplexed but not despair, when you're feeling persecuted but not abandoned, when you're feeling struck down but not destroyed, we also believe and therefore speak. Too many of us massively underestimate the power of our speech. Your speech is literally the difference between life and death. Literally the difference. I believe and therefore speak. So when we're perplexed, we say what we do know. When we don't understand what's going on, we say, but I know this and I know that. And I know the other. When we're persecuted, we're not abandoned, which means we thank God for the people we do have. We bless those who persecute, according to Jesus in the Beatitudes in Matthew 6. We bless them. Why do we bless them? Because that's the way that you deal with it. Because when you start cursing people back, it just comes back on you. But when you start blessing people, it comes back on them and you. So we bless those who persecute us, but we do it all with our voice. When we're perplexed, we say what's good. When we're hard-pressed, we thank God that we're not crushed. You see, Anchor started out this morning. There's always something to thank God for. You've just got to find out what it is and thank him for it. And you can go, God, yes, Phil, we're absolutely right. We've got, to, we've got to be real about the moment we're in. But then we can go, this is the moment, this is where it's at. But God, I'm going to thank you for this or that or the other or whatever it is. But we've got to be real about the moment. Totally real about it. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You see this? This journey of not losing heart, it's a daily journey. It's a daily journey of going, no, I may be hard-pressed, but I'm not crushed. I may be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I may be struck down. There's a, there's a whole declaration for somebody in those verses right there. I just go, I might feel all this, but this is true. That's all I've ever done. That's the only way that I know to overcome the battles and the challenges, whether they're internal or external or in my own mind or whatever they are, that's the only thing I know to do. Is to get before God and be honest about it and go, this is how I feel. It feels absolutely right. And it doesn't matter how terrible it looks or how terrible it feels, just tell him about it. Because he already knows anyway. It's not like he's going to be shocked. He's not going to go, oh, what? I never imagined I'd feel that. I don't know why he talks like that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But he's not going to be surprised by it. He's not going to upset him. But we've just got to be honest with ourselves and be honest with Jesus and go, this is it. This is reality. This is truth. And then he goes, okay, well, I already knew all that anyway, so shall we, shall we start off on a new track? Shall we go somewhere different? Outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we've been renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, they don't feel like light and momentary, do they? But this is Paul. Paul who got shipwrecked, whipped, imprisoned, beaten. Many sleepless nights, like, he calls them light and momentary. Oh, wow, yeah. Been whipped and imprisoned. It's a light and momentary trouble. But you see, that's because he'd understood the next verse. We fix our eyes not on what he's seen on what is unseen. He actually knew that. He actually knew there was something bigger and greater than right here, right now. 
he understood it at like, I, I imagined he understood it at the very core of his being that he'd kind of got this thing that he just, he was looking at Jesus and Jesus was his everything and no matter what, he was going to go towards Jesus. And no matter what, he was going to deal with whatever came out in remembering that there's something greater. And of course, where is that something greater? It's this treasure. It's this treasure. It's not just outside you, it's, it's, it's inside you. We fix our eyes. Too many of us don't fix, we glance. We take random glances rather than fixing our eyes. But we've got to learn to fix our eyes. Not just take a look for five minutes every three mornings a week. Because if you only take a glance at him, if you only take a little five minutes, oh yeah, Jesus, you're there, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's good, and then carry on. Well, actually, you're going to lose track, aren't you? No wonder we get so taken up with what's around us. We've not learned to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, as it says in Hebrews. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I want to encourage you. You don't need to lose heart. You don't need to drop into despair. You don't need to drop into a place where you think it's all over or it's all finished. It's never all finished with Jesus because Jesus is always into redemption. He's always into bringing it back. No matter how far you think it might have gone, no matter how broken you think it might or how broken you think you are, Jesus is always in a redemption and resurrection and putting it back together because in him it all holds together. And that includes you as a person and everything that concerns you. I believe it with all my heart. And I believe it's stronger and stronger and stronger these days that there is absolutely nothing God cannot fix. Fix is a rubbish word. Heal, that's a better word. There's nothing he can't heal. Nothing he can't put back together in its fullness, in all its original, beautiful, fantastic glory. There's nothing. But it might mean we remember our speech. Well, no, it will mean. It'll mean we learn to fix our eyes, not just glance. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to lift up, Lord, any of our family, whether they're here today or whether they're somewhere else, Lord, those who were just feeling in that place of losing heart, Father, those who are feeling that they've, they've gone from being hard-pressed to crushed, they've gone from being perplexed to in despair, Lord, they've gone from being struck down to destroyed, Father. Lord, I lift them to you. And I thank you, Father, that as I said earlier, the everlast your everlasting arms are underneath, Lord. And I'm asking, Lord, I'm asking today, Father, just right now, Lord, that you would minister to each and every one of them, Jesus. And it says earlier on in those chapters that the God of this age has blinded the minds, Father. I am asking that you would open eyes, Father, to see futures in you, Jesus. Open eyes, Father, to see futures in you, Lord that the bottom is not the bottom, that the only way is up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. I ask, Lord, right now, by your Holy Spirit, you would impart hope, Jesus. Thank you that the 
in you there is always hope, Father. Always hope of a future. Always hope of a way forward. And your ways forward, Father, they involve peace and joy and grace and goodness and mercy and kindness and joy and healing. And Father, I thank you, Father, for ways forward, for hope, for goodness, for beautiful things in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just come against the lies, Lord, the thoughts that many of us had, Father, that that it's the end, that we're finished, that it's all downhill from here, that nothing good can happen in the future. Father, I rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. And I say, we all have a beautiful future, Father. We all have a beautiful thing to look forward, Father. You have got good plans for each and every one of us, Jesus. And we are going to see those plans come to pass in Jesus' name. As a family, together we are going to walk forward, Father, in a beautiful futures in Jesus' name. And I thank you for each and every one of my brothers and sisters, Father. I thank you for each and every one of their beautiful futures, Lord. And I thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the celebrations that will come, Lord, as we journey in our futures together in the beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.